Welcome to Down in the Den. As always, I'm your host, Mars, and today is a very special episode. As you know, we are all about supporting artists and content creators from all over the entertainment spectrum, from comic book creators to filmmakers, and uh, we have a fantastic guest today. Uh, Joining us is filmmaker and the king of community theater, Patrick W. Cutler. Patrick, welcome to the den. Hey, Patrick, are you there? Yeah, how's it going, Sean? Oh, it's a beautiful day in paradise. How about yourself? Oh, wonderful. Same here. Same here, man. Fantastic. So first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us down in uh, here on Down in the Den. I uh, hope you get, uh, guys are having some decent weather out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, very appreciative. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be on the show here today. Um, yeah, down here uh Montana, it's been up and down. We had two weeks of really kind of wicked winter with uh, three, four inches of snow. They're still kind of fading away today, so we're kind of still stuck in that winter winter forecast or whatever you might say. <laughs> nice. We're on the East Coast here and uh, near the beach, so if we get four inches, it's pretty much a catastrophe, so I'm glad to hear you guys are okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I used to live out East for a couple years in Pittsburgh, um, and uh, yeah, when it snows out East, man, you can't drive. You can't hardly do anything. <laughs> Not at all. It's, it's a city shut down immediately for just one inch of snow. All of my friends from the Midwest and uh, areas where they get heavy snow, they always laugh when they visit and they say, one inch of snow shuts down the city. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's a little bit different. I mean, it gets a lot slicker. The roads are a lot slicker. It's a lot harder to drive out east than the snow for whatever reason, you yeah. know, with the climate or whatever. So. Yeah. Who, who knows, right? Who I, I yeah. stay inside. As soon as I see the white on the ground, I stay inside. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So uh let's get into it. Um I'm a huge film buff and uh and I love speaking with people that are, you know, filmmakers are in industry. So uh first of all, how'd you get started? Tell us tell us how you got your start as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crazy story, uh, goes way back to the, the old VHS camera days and yeah, so my parents, like a lot of parents back then, they got one of those VHS cameras and was used to film like, um, home movies, family events, things of that nature. So one day they wanted, um, one of my brothers to pick up the camera and take a shot of them, film them, um, just so they have a home video themselves at that time or whatever. And then he tried it, and then he asked me, and I picked it up, and I picked it up, started filming it, and it's big camera, you know. I was just a kid, so it was kind of big to me. It was, like, bigger than my head. And uh, I started filming them and everything. It's like, this is this is a lot of fun, you know. <laughs> this is kind sure. of fun. So me and my brother, um, not long after that, we started, we watched movies, and we started thinking, hey, why don't we make our own movies? And so we got that VHS camera there, and we just started shooting our own movies as kids, um, little short films, knockoffs of popular movies that were, like, I mean, literally knock off short films and things. And then um, it kind of progressed from that. So I kept on asking myself, well, how do they make these real movies? How do they make these real movies? And by the time I got to like high school, I started saying, well, let's go out there. And let's actually try to make like a full length film and everything. We kept on trying and trying. And then um, from that process into college, we made, I made, um, came together and made two full length feature films. And then um, since then, it's kind of been, we've, we've been doing it off and on ever since then. Excellent, excellent. And, and I always find when you find that passion young in life, it's like you, you never really work. You're always focusing on the next creative project. Now, 
You also go by the King of Community Theater. Tell us about your 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 relationship in the in theater. So, um, yeah. So another thing is, um, we've done theater over the years too. That was another thing that um, my mom was always kind of into and got us kids into it. Uh, my dad was a football coach. My mom was a a theater person. You could see, you know, over the long term, who won that battle. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here one who has a bigger influence on their kids. <laughs> but uh so we got into that and um uh my brother is more the theater guy but eventually we, we there's a lot a big theater presence in our town um a professional group was here for a long time um we had a group down the, the road that would bring kids shows where we audition the shows and we got to the point where it's like man this is a lot of fun why don't we just kind of start doing our own shows so we started doing our own shows which is back which were backed by uh one of the local theater groups in town and then we just decided heck with this let's just start our own um, theater production company and it's um i say key and community theater because it's always been based on community um actors and stuff so it's pretty cool but we also mix in um professional actors we've had actors down from like new york pittsburgh um a bunch of different areas um so we, we do a blend of both like professional level actors and, and community theater and if you get do it enough it's like man this past time we had some professional actors come in and some of the local actors that have been working with us for a while, they just completely outshine the professional actors, which is kind of amazing. Um, that is. Yeah. But I like the idea. I still like the idea of community theater because everybody's, you know, been around a little bit of community theater. But, um, yeah, when I say community theater, it's just a fun slogan to go by because it's it's as top-notch community theater uh, you, you're going to see because we had a – We've had people come from like Atlanta, Georgia, and they came. They came was like, "Man, in all of Atlanta, I've never seen this quality of theater in my life." And that was like one of the reviews they had. I was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> but yeah, but that's kind of the mindset behind that. Definitely, I mean, I'm I'm always been a, a big fan of both genres. Now, I always, whenever I have a guest, I try to study up as much as I I can and and learn about their work. And of course, I always you know, go through the IMDB. And I, I noticed that you had a lot of uh, comedy as your beginning entry to genre, which I'm a huge comedy fan. But what's your favorite genre to work in? Uh, I, it's like, I, I like comedy the most. I think it's just comedy so much fun. That's kind of like, I mean, Color Brothers Productions and from the time we started doing VHS and plays and everything else, um, for a long time, we never even considered doing a non-comedy play. I mean, we did musicals, yes, but a lot of musicals have a lot of comedy in them. Sure. Um, but it's like, I don't know, comedy is fun. Like, if you're doing um, a live theater show and you're doing comedy, there's laughs, there's audience interaction, it's it's a ball of fun. You, when you switch gears in theater and go to, like, a drama, it is weird because it's just, like, silent on stage the entire time. <laughs> so you enjoy the instant gratification you get from the laughs, and I, I guess when you're doing a drama, people are more respectful and more tuned in so I, I i would imagine it would be different yeah it's a lot it, both are both are fun but comedies are, are fun because it's more like um i grew up playing sports it's more like yeah that almost like that crowd feeling throughout the show and like oh this crowd's hot let's hit them with some more jokes and some things like that you know kind of that competitive funness with the crowd and everything else is you know absolutely absolutely now i, I see you have you're switching gears a little bit and you're working on uh, a new project, which is a horror film and it, it's called red gate. Tell us, tell the inmates what red gate is about 
when we can expect it and, and where they'll be able to find it. So Redgate, um, Redgate is a horror film that I've, I've wanted to do for several years. And it, part of it is some folklore in this local small Montana town that I'm from. And part of it's actually based on some true events. So I would say, you know, when it comes to the true nature of it, it's almost similar to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that uh, sense of the movie. But essentially, um, it's about these guys, uh, a couple of people, friends from college or whatever. Um, they, they go up in these mountains and it's, it's super, super remote. And when we shot this, is super, super remote. I'm talking about like off the highway, up in the hills. There's no camping grounds. And basically, they hike way up in the super, super remote mountains of Montana where these um, people that aren't familiar with Montana, a lot of these remote places in Montana, you can hike up to these different lakes and things that are, you know, no cell service, like nothing up there. So they hike up way up there into the, these mountains and they hike into these lakes, and these beautiful, pristine lakes. And um, the film is based on some true events that happened in that area. So um, this is uh, these some of these tales and things are, are things that we heard as growing up as kids and whatnot. And it's, it's basically like they're being stalked in the mountains by something. You don't know quite what it is. But it kind of has that feeling of like, okay, something's about to happen here, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Does that make kind of sense to you? <laughs> no, it make, it makes perfect sense. It sounds like uh, an updated Blair Witch, which I used to think was real growing up as a kid until I realized it was completely fabricated. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what made me want to see it. So that, that sounds awesome. And uh, where are you guys with that? Are you in post production, or where are you guys at uh, on that film? Uh, so we are we are in um, post production. I've been in post production for a while. We wrapped shooting up um, about uh, end of September. We, let, we actually wrapped all the shooting up, and I've been in post post production since then. Um, a lot of um, audio post production. Um, so a lot of audio and things are in post production because it was so windy and things up there. It's hard to get really good audio. So. Um, where I'm at right now is I'm kind of finishing up some vocal work. And then, I mean, the projection for me, honestly, is I hope to get this done by the end of April and then start screening it to different places to try to get some kind of, you know, distribution deal for it. Nice. Nice. Now, did you find, uh, we know all of, uh, the entertainment industry was shut down due to the pandemic. Did you find it difficult uh, filming with new restrictions or, or were you able to pretty much guerrilla style and push through? Yeah, we, it was total guerrilla style for sure. I mean, um, the people that are in it, the, the, they're all professional actors, but they're actors from Montana that what they, their situation was, they're actually all out like in New York. And then the pandemic hit that brought them all the way to back to Montana. So they're like, man, we're just looking for any work we could do, you know, and the nice thing about Montana is it's unlike, you know, unlike like downtown L.A. where there's just tons of people and everything else. Um, you can be outside in Montana and, and completely outside and only have a, a couple people around. So it's like it's pretty safe compared to like the higher populated areas. So we had a lot of professional actors come back that were from Montana and got uh, we're, in, we're in New York, came back to Montana and we had them in the film. So it ended up working out pretty well for us in the end. Excellent. Well, that's a, a nice change to see it actually work in someone's favor. That's awesome news. Awesome news. Now, um, 
I'm really excited to see this movie. Tell the people uh, where they can see some of your older works and when it's released, ways that they can see. Is there a website um, or, or so, page where they can uh, So if you can, you can track. I put, I put updates on uh, behind-the-scenes post-production stuff that I'm doing like almost every single day. And if you go like go on Twitter, and you can um, let me pull up the, the hashtag on Twitter is just hashtag Redgate Film. And if you search that, you'll you will get a, a ton of stuff. I've been hashtagging it like every single day. Excellent. So you hear that, Denmates? Hashtag Redgate Film on Twitter. That's going to link you to Patrick and some of his posts. You're going to see some of the behind the scenes, and uh, we're excited to see it. It sounds like a excellent concept i'm a big concept person so if you can get me on the concept you can you can get me in the seat to watch it now uh you mentioned that you really found the bug for filmmaking when you got that big camcorder as a kid is there a specific director or favorite director that you would say is your biggest influence it's kind it's kind of where there's a lot of influences i've had um going back to the horror film genre um I grew up, man, I grew up a huge fan of, of researching just how to do independent film and things of, uh, you know, Sam Raimi. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Army of Darkness. Absolutely. Army of Darkness. Absolutely. <laughs> Evil Dead. Uh, Evil Dead. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man, of yeah. course. One, two. We don't talk about three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't talk about three, man. <laughs> we don't talk that about was that the first, one. <laughs> uh, that was the first film I showed my girlfriend. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't watch the whole ending to that one. <laughs> that was pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, Sam Raimi. And then um, his, his story over the first Evil Dead was Bruce Campbell. And the story behind that's really remarkable. Um, I got it really influenced me in um, independent filmmaking is, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, uh, he, he's done some work with uh, Quentin Tarantino, Big uh, Spy Kids yeah. for the younger audience. His uh, Mandalorian, I believe he did an uh, episode of The Mandalorian. Did he? This I did not know mistaken. that. Yeah. His, yeah, maybe one or two. Yeah, yeah his his story is, his initial story is phenomenal uh, with El Mariachi. I mean, the guy had no budget for me the only budget he had was to pay for the film cameras because back then he always had that film 16 millimeter film and what he pulled off el mariachi i just thought i read his but his book was uh rebel without a crew and i just like it was one yeah. of the best books i've ever read uh read in my life so i mean i was like man his his mantra was just go out there and do it you know just you know heck with it just go out there and film it um and then another guy um uh you know trey parker matt stone with south park they, sure, they had a book with uh, Lloyd Kaufman, who's the head of uh, Trauma, who had uh, Toxic Avenger and stuff like that. And they, uh, they had a book called uh, Make Your Own Damn Movie. <laughs> and uh, I read that. I was like, man, that was really cool. So those are kind of like the basic uh, influences I've had. And and then when it comes to like super high quality people that have done like crazy film stuff, um, Stanley Kubrick is is just, yeah. Sure, genius. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, ahead of his time, still ahead of his yeah, time. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> I think at some point, that's kind of who I kind of aspire to be doing films that are at that bizarre nature, like, you know, almost nonsensical as to, like, what is going on here? <laughs> well, that's, that's definitely an awesome list. Those are some of my favorite directors, and I grew up, I'm, I'm an 80s baby, so I grew up when South Park first started coming out. I was uh, in high school. And I, I think I taught like Cartman for a full oh, really? year. Uh, when it, oh, God. I, I was just, it, it was something about the 90s 
that uh, between The Rock and Cartman and Beavis and Butthead, yeah. uh, my, my family would just go nuts because I would just do impressions around, but I just wouldn't stop. You yeah. know, it, it, would, it would be <laughs> all day. And uh, so my mom was like, can you stop talking like that fat kid from South Park? And I respect my authority. <laughs> yeah, those are great influence. Great. I'm big Kubrick and uh, the rest of those gentlemen that you named are awesome. Uh, now you mentioned that with uh, Army of Darkness was that the the horror movie that said okay and made you say this is what I want to do with horror because for me the horror movie that really really just kind of blew my mind was probably uh, the very first Nightmare on Elm Street oh yeah because I yeah I would always justify you know with the monsters on the scary level uh, Jason's kind of slow plus. <laughs> I wouldn't go to Camp Crystal Lake. There's been like a thousand murders. <laughs> Chucky was a doll. Yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, I just won't go to Texas, but you have to go to sleep. So that was horrifying to be the concept of someone killing you in your dream and you dying in in real life. Would you say Army of Darkness or one of those movies? Was that horror movie that just kind of scared you or was there something? Uh, it's, it's a little bit complicated because like as a kid, man, I, I, I mean, I thought like kid, kid, I mean, maybe below the age of 10 <laughs> my parents trying to keep me away from the tv set i was uh i was like a usa up all night uh jason Voorhees fan for a long time oh <laughs> oh yeah 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 remember yeah that. remember that usa up all night with uh what's his face uh, gilbert gottfried <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yeah and then absolutely. jason goes and meets the girl yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely. it's like i love the thing is like i loved um the Jason films, I, and we um, we actually redid all of those with our VHS camera, just short, short, short versions of each film in our backyard. It was, it was a ton of fun. We had a Jason mask, and I'd one episode I'd wear it, then the next episode, like my brother would wear it to be like three feet smaller. <laughs> so no continuity director. No, it's no, like so one episode would end, and the next episode Jason just lost like three feet. He's almost like a little midget. <laughs> Oh, and I'm a huge stickler for that. I, I used to watch movies just to find continuity yeah. errors. And, like, and then I would look and see how much these continuity directors get paid on these big budget films. And I'm like, yeah. really? They, they, they didn't notice that that cigarette was halfway gone and now it's full of goods? So or like, awesome. yeah, someone's it's drinking awesome. the beer or whatever and it's like full and it's not full and it's not full of goods. Yeah, then it refills itself and then it's drunk and then it refills itself all in, in one sentence. That's Absolutely. like, yeah. Because like when I do my stuff, I try to be so hardcore in continuity, but then I'll turn on any film. It's like, well, that guy just jumped like ten feet in point two seconds. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. They were uh, speaking of. There was um, episode of The Mandalorian. I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but this particular episode was uh, directed by Carl Weathers. From for people who don't know who Carl Weathers is, check out Predator. Check out Apollo Creed from Rocky. He's Michael B. Jordan's father in Creed for the younger audience that never seen a Rocky movie but he directed this episode full of action it was awesome and it made it went viral because there's just a guy in blue jeans in the background 
just just chilling in the middle of a laser fight, just a regular guy in blue jeans. <laughs> so it became this epic mime. Like they gave him a Star Wars name and was like, "Oh, this guy with the blue jeans, he was in the Sith, and, and, and he just wears denim all the time." So that was very funny. That sounds pretty funny. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, was in Predator, you son of a bitch. Oh, God. That's a classic. Yeah. Oh, that's such a classic. (laughs) Now, uh, with with technology, and, and, you know, back in the day, you would have to get a $20,000 camera and, and, you know, all this money. But nowadays, you can get, you know, I've actually heard some scenes of the Avengers were shot with the director's iPhone. Do you feel it's easier now for creatives to really get out there and just kind of learn their way and, 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 and make their way in the industry now with technology. You know, you can edit movies on your laptop now. You can film it on a phone. Things have become easier, more accessible. Do you, do you find it easier or do you find it tougher because there's just so much content out there? Uh, uh, it's, it's a mix of both. It's, to me, it's easier to me because I, mean, I look back on our, my very first full-length feature film was back in like 2005. Man, we had to buy, um, and this is when digital film was first starting to come out. So I know exactly what I wanted a movie that looked just like film. I went out and we raised money. We bought a four thousand dollar Panasonic cam- digital camera that could shoot twenty four frames per second and make it look almost identical to sixteen millimeter film. Um, so that was a big thing. Now, and twenty four frames per second for digital video back then was kind of unheard of at the time. There's the Panasonic had one, and then there's maybe one other camera, and that was like it. Now you pull right. out your phone. And you can shoot 60 frames per second, you shoot 30. Um, you can shoot 24 frames per second. Um, you can buy anamorphic lenses and put it on an iPhone. And it's 4K, 24 frames per second with an anamorphic lens. It's like, man, yeah, you probably could shoot a lot of Star Wars <laughs> with that type of setup just with your phone. Oh, yeah. So, and um, it's, it's crazy, too. Online, so on Amazon, it used to be video cameras, 4K video cameras. They still had them on, but that used to be a big market on there. And you used to have, like, $4,000, $5,000 ones. Now I go on Amazon, look for, like, a video camera, a high-end one. It's, like, the highest it goes is, like, 1500 Because, I mean, even they know that the cell phone can do just as good as that camera. <laughs> just as well. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just crazy how good you can shoot video on, like, and especially with Apple phones, too, because I'm a big Apple guy. Um yeah, Same big here. Apple. the video quality on an Apple phone is just ridiculous what it can do right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I'm, I'm starting to, I've been doing creating content for a while now, uh, but now I'm starting to get into more of the visual medium. And ev- same thing, every time I look at a, a camera and I look at the specs, I'm like, okay, my iPhone <laughs> can do that. My iPhone can do that. My iPhone, so should I invest in this or should I just buy an extra iPhone? <laughs> It, it it's it's amazing. I, I love that people can really get out there and express their creativity. Yeah. Now, uh, now we, we've been talking about uh, the industry and and uh, it took a hit. I, I think we all mm-hmm. took a hit last year. Uh, you know, with uh, social distancing and people not being able to get out. But we we've seen where I've always thought the industry was going. We've seen streaming take over mm-hmm. and everybody has a streaming service uh you know from disney to uh amazon to you name it every company has a streaming service which means uh there's more need for content than ever before 
where do you see the industry go? Do you see the, the movie theaters just dying out? I, I know my AMC stock isn't looking <laughs> too good right now. Do you see the theaters dying out or do you feel there will always be a place for a silver screen or, or do you care? Do you care how people view your films? Do you care if they look at them on the computer or their tablet or would you prefer them to be able to see it on the silver Yeah, screen? that's a really good question. It's funny you say AMC because my brother got me a certificate to AMC theaters over Christmas and then they shut down all the theaters. <laughs> but, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I've I've missed that. I'm a big Marvel guy as well. So all of 2020, the only thing I could do was watch uh, the MCU in chronological order, all 23 movies over and over again. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I see it. I see it playing out a lot of ways that you've seen play out in 2020. Um, and I think a lot of comp. I think 2020, you know, hurt a lot of people. A lot of companies, you know, you gotta adapt. To the situation and when you adapt to situations like COVID-19 you find there's a lot more possibilities and things out there and I think um, the film industry is heading that way anyways but I, I really really like the split format idea I think it's a brilliant idea or or a, not a brilliant idea it was basically pushed to necessity where you can buy say like Winston Theater you can still buy Wonder Woman on your your device or whatever for like 25 bucks and or um, you can go to the cinema and see it. There is a certain I don't, I don't know how cinemas do going forward, and if time only time will tell. But there is still like when it comes to movies and film productions, there's still that that feeling and excitement and that experience of of going to a, a movie theater that sitting at home just can't quite deliver that same experience. And even with that said, I know people that don't even they'll, they'll they've told me in the past like. I don't go to the theaters at all. I'll just wait till it comes out the DVD. I was like, yeah, most movies I don't watch in theaters, but I mean, uh, like our local, there's a local theater here in town of Montana and um, they're, they're finally got movies coming in again. And I went to one with my kids not too long ago. It's like still like that experience, that huge screen and, and just sitting there with popcorn and, you know, these big seats, especially some of those nice theaters. Now the theaters now it's like they had the, limited seating but you have a super nice relaxing chair and everything else like you're at home <laughs> absolutely so I, yeah absolutely. i think it's a mix going forward yeah. and, and i agree i've always I, I really like that model i think hbo max has done that with their whole lineup this year uh everything's going to be released in the movies and hbo max on the same day, and, and I like that option. I agree with you. I'm a theater guy. It's something going in that theater, especially with a group of friends that all are interested in seeing that, that movie and, and that gasp when you see something on the big screen opening night. I've really missed that. I haven't seen anything in the theater in uh, mm-hmm. 2020 and no, so far in 2021. Uh, so I think that is the future. I think there's going to be a hybrid model where it'll be streaming, and theater, but you pay a premium if you want to stream it earlier. But uh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. the insight. Well, well, Patrick, you have been a fantastic guest. I thank you so much uh, for joining us mm-hmm. down in the den. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and uh, give them your Twitter handle and uh, tell them once again when to look out for Red Gate and anything else you want to promote. Now's your right. time to shine. Here we go, folks. So again, um, the best way to find out the latest information on Redgate is you can hashtag Redgate Film on hashtag that on either Instagram or Twitter. You can hashtag Redgate Film. And if you want the official account I'm using to spread information out about Redgate is 
you know, twitter.com uh, backslash Redgate Film. And um, if you go on there right now, I have a little bit of a, a backstory video posted. It's kind of creepy. You can take a look at. Um, but that, that's basically it. I mean, we're coming, we're coming strong here with post-production going pretty well. And I'm hoping next couple months we get this thing finished. And hopefully my goal, my ultimate goal is to get a distribution deal of some kind signed by the summer and then have this thing debut right there smack dab in October during prime horror season. And that's my favorite time of the year, favorite holiday <laughs> season. Well, Patrick, when, when it comes out, I'm going to be in line to see it, and uh, hopefully we can cut, uh, have you back on and talk about it. I wish you great success, and thank you again for joining us here at Down in the Den. And uh, I'm going to let you go, but we can't wait to see uh, the film and follow your work, and everybody follow him on Twitter, hashtag RedGateFilm. Uh, we, we're going to be looking at the behind the scenes and we can't wait to be scared. Hopefully in October, uh, could scare us into, uh, you know, maybe some <laughs> white hairs or something like that. A little pee down the leg, a good scare. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Uh, always appreciative, you know, to be on here with you and, uh, uh, you, uh, have a good one yourself. Thanks. Yeah. We'll do. Thanks. Thank you so much. Right. Later. That was an interesting chat with Patrick Cutler. Uh, once again, check him out on Twitter. Hashtag Red Gate Film. The movie looks awesome. I love supporting these young independent directors out there that have something to say. I hope everyone can check out the film. Uh, so that's been today's episode of Down in the Den. Give me a little something different. We're going to have uh, more content with more creators coming soon. I hope you guys listen. And once again... Don't forget to check out Mars, M-A-R-Z, Studios on YouTube. We're going to have some content coming up very soon, uh, early next month. Uh, right now, there's just some reviews, but we have a whole line of uh, content that's coming. It's going to be a big year, 2021, here for the Den Mates and Down in the Den. And once again, I want to thank my guest, Patrick W. Cutler, director of Red Gate Film. Uh, that's coming out very soon. Hopefully we'll have that around Halloween time. I thank you all for listening. And as always, deuces.